welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Well, today we have Tony Scardino and Jay Hurt. They're both at Grant Thornton, but they're also both former CFOs in the government, and we're going to talk about the CFO Vision Act, the revamping of the 1990 CFO Act, which uh, went in in 2020 and passed the Senate, and then it stalled and actually has just gone back into the House in 2022, March 2022, which happened before we recorded this, but we're going to kind of give you their thoughts on the act, uh, and uh, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today is a rare event. We're actually in person in podcast studios down in Alexandria. I'm very excited about that. And the two brave individuals who came here with me are Mr. Tony Scardino and Mr. Jay Hurt. So how are you guys doing today? Great. Thanks for having us, Paul. Yeah, good, Paul. Okay, well, Tony, please, uh, for our audience, introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Thank you, Paul. Uh, as you mentioned, Tony Scardino. I'm a principal with Grant Thornton's public sector. And uh, prior to that, I was a CFO for a couple federal agencies. My last place was the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And I had responsibility for budget as well as accounting and financial systems and uh, procurement and other things, which, you know, the act that we're going to talk about certainly had has some of that in there. But I, I, my little personal plug is I think procurement should be under a CFO as well. All right. And Jay. Hi, I'm Jay Hurt. I am a managing director at Grant Thornton's Public Sector. I've been working there for about three years Prior to that, I was a CFO at Federal Student Aid, which is an office within the Department of Education. Uh, I, too, like, like Tony, I was lucky enough to have a breadth of responsibility that included both budget and financial reporting, um, which was very helpful uh, in, in helping shape my views. So we're here to talk about this thing called the CFO Vision Act. Um, and I'll let you guys explain it better than I can, but it's something that, you know, was related to the, the old CFO Act. What is it, 1990? Yep. And they wanted to kind of update it, and, and some things happened. It got so far, but now it's kind of stuck a little bit. So maybe, uh, Tony, do you mind giving the audience a little background on the Vision Act? Sure. So the CFO Vision Act was uh, something that was introduced to update the CFO Act, as you mentioned, from 1990. It had been 30 years so it seemed to be like an anniversary kind of thing. Senator Enzi was uh, the big proponent in the Senate. Uh, Senator Enzi retired in uh, December of 2020. So I'll go through that a little bit. But the idea was to update an act that really revolutionized, it created the CFO community for the, for the federal government. Before that, and I started in the government about a month before the act was uh, passed, and I saw the budget and accountants didn't necessarily talk to each other. I was in the budget office for an agency, and we crossed the hall with the accountants. There was no – we didn't report to the same person. The CFO Act created so much more discipline, audited financial statements, uh, and as such, the CFO Vision Act meant was intended to update it, right? And one of the things that it would have done was put budget under all CFOs. That's something that right now doesn't exist, at least not legislatively. Right. It is certainly the case for most agencies, but not for all. Also brought some structure. The deputy CFO would have the same responsibilities as the CFO, which is something that also isn't legislatively required in all agencies. Uh, also would have required a financial management plan every four years. Right now it's required every five years. Would have brought a little more discipline there. OMB would have submitted a financial management status report. And then it would have standardized some uh, performance. 
against the financial metrics that were established in that plan. Mm-hmm. So wasn't the broadest act uh, envisioned, but it was a start. Right. And, you know, I guess where is it now? You know, what, what what's kind of the, the holdup? So it passed the Senate, and it kind of died after that. Um, I, I think that it's difficult without a sponsor to push it through the House. And, frankly, we spoke to uh, – we, we, we uh, AGA, uh, Grant Thornton's, others – spoke to folks in the CFO community and folks up on the Hill, and it was determined, I think, to kind of just let it wither mm. as as it had been as it had passed. I think it could, a lot of improvements could be made, and we'll probably, I'm sure, you'll ask us questions about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, speaking of that, so, Jay, let's start with you. So if, if you know, miraculously this uh, bill were, were to move forward now and it did pass as it is written, you know, what are some things about it that you, you do like you think would be great you know, additions and updates to the CFO Act. Well, Tony already hinted towards one, a couple of them. The the budget under the CFO. Um, I I think there's a lot of folks who who believe the marrying of, of budget, the, the front end budget formulation, uh, planning budget planning, with the back end of the actual financial reporting is is key. Um, the the bringing that uh, that rigor to the front end bringing the connection of the two under one roof with the CFO, one person's responsibility uh, is, I think, an uh, essential uh, set step towards accountability. Uh, the others is some standardization and, and making the deputy or giving the deputy CFO some um, uh, similar responsibilities, make it a more in line with the CFO as well. Uh, these are all good things. These are lessons learned over the 30 years of experience um, that we've had since this, the 1990 CFO Act, uh, and it's 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 time for that kind of change. Well, additionally, you know there are 24 CFO Act agencies. Most have political uh, Senate-confirmed CFOs. So when the CFO leaves with different parties, you know, ch- change administration, if the deputy CFO didn't have the same responsibilities, it's more difficult for he or she to pick them up. Right. Yeah. In some agencies, the deputy CFO is the primary non-political person yes. in charge, right? Exactly. I mean, many of them. Yep. Um, you know, what is it about having the budget under, you know, the budget positions under the CFO that, you, I mean, why is that really important to you? Is there some things now? What, what, what difficulties do you see when it's not that? That's not the case. Paul, I'll tell you a true story. I actually applied for a job one time as a deputy CFO, and I got to the interview as a panel, and they explained to me the budget was not under the deputy CFO, mm-hmm. and I, I walked out. Well, okay. More politely than that, <laughs> I did explain to them, I said, I'm no longer interested. Right. And the reason being is, to me, that's where you're marrying. You're not just compliance. right? You're not just looking backwards. Budget helps you look forward. It's used, A budget document is truly a policy document. Yeah. yeah. Right? So to me, that's where the juice is. That's where the excitement is. And that's maybe that's personal to me. But I think if you don't have a CFO that's tied to the budget performance, mm-hmm. right, did you get what was paid for? Right? So I think the linkage here, the, the act intended to link – performance more with just finances right yeah and what tony's talking about that did you get what you paid for on the back end um so if if you have responsibility for financial reporting tied to performance reporting um you you really got to have authority of budget the only way to make sure that you get what you need on financial and performance reporting on the back end in my opinion is having the power of the purse right um and and linking the two under one authority uh, gives you the more of that power to not only up front how to build a budget, but then in the back, did I get what we paid what, what we paid for? Right. Yeah. And again, in the federal government, it's just so interesting how 
so many CFOs, you either have a big budget background or maybe the accounting CPA background, but you know, that, that's, it's hard to have both. It's hard to have both. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess the other question I would have for you guys is, so as again, as it is written today, what are some things that maybe you weren't quite as fond of and wouldn't mind uh, editing if we could here? Well, we actually queried the CFO community and it was pretty universal that no one thought we should have um, audited internal controls. We thought, and Jake could probably explain this a little better, but there's a, there's a thinking right now that the audit should be broader, not more restrictive, mm-hmm. and maybe we should just have one audited financial statement for the government, for that matter. So we didn't think, we thought it was going in the opposite direction to actually do more auditing of agencies' internal controls or things like that. Right. And government resources are limited. So spending more, significantly more, by the way, if you, you, you were to ask DHS what it costs to do an ICA for audit, um, internal mm-hmm. control um, over financial reporting audit, it would be a large number. So prescribing that for 24 CFO Act agencies and all their sub-organizations is a lot of money. Um, that money comes from somewhere else. Um, so instead of spending more at, at that lower level, um, there, there's movements in the government discussions about broadening the audit to financial uh, to government-wide. Uh, there's talk about taking some of what you're spending on a, a very relatively mature financial management uh, community and spending it on performance evaluation mm-hmm. um, so that when you're marrying it up at the back end of did I get what I paid for, your finances are pretty well um, uh, in the last 30 years have, have matured significantly. Your performance data – and your performance outcomes has not. I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's really the most important thing, isn't it? I mean, what are we spending this money on? Are we getting what we paid for, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, you know, did I put this number right on this balance sheet or whatever? I mean, those things are pretty good now at this point, like you said. It's really, are we getting what, you know, what we're actually paying for? And that's the performance. So, well, so, and speaking of that, so if we were to go something more like a higher level audit, you know, how would you make sure that these certain agencies you know, have the controls in place they need, just have a one big audit but just focus on very specialized or high-dollar, high-risk areas in different agencies? Well, I still think things like maybe we could cement enterprise risk management. Mm. It, you know, every administration tends to support it, but if maybe in legislation it was cemented so that it has a more permanence. And then you could look at internal controls more broadly, have risk mitigation plans mm-hmm. in, in place and, and the like, which I think would, as Jay mentioned – it would limit the expense for this activity, but also make make sure that you still have the internal controls in place and the emphasis, because enterprise risk management really is done at the highest levels. Usually the yep. deputy director or deputy secretary is usually helping to run that um, along with the CFO and, and the CFO's team. And when you're doing a, a government-wide audit, you're, you're not abandoning testing at the transactional level, mm-hmm. but you're, you're taking it to a higher level of, of materiality, um, and for the lower level of materiality, you're, you're doing more sampling. You're doing more um, less population reviews, uh, which, again, that's where the cost is. Uh, so it's about the materiality. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of clients and very small agencies, and they're all doing these full-blown audits. I'm like, how much does this cost, and what's what are we getting out of this? It's crazy. You know, just every single agency and tiny little bureau and corporate, you know, government corporation has a, has a full audit. I'm like, whoa. So. I get it. That makes sense. I mean, we got to be efficient here. So, and to that end, so if we were able to, let's say, either, you know, 
make some changes or start from scratch, what would, in your opinion, what would you like to see in a CFO Act? Well, you know, the reality is this was 30 years later. Okay, so it took 30 years and it still didn't pass. <laughs> so I think there's some fear in the CFO community that, A, if this is if a version of this does pass, we won't see changes again for another few decades. Mm. So we want to get it right, number one. Number two, they didn't think that this went far enough. While it had a couple of good components to it, there's a lot more that could be done. So as a former CFO, and I know Jay probably speaking the same way as a former CFO, we wish that it could modernize things even further. So yeah. several ideas actually was, you know, we're not going to have a new piece of legislation every three or four years. We get that. But maybe the act could require OMB or maybe even better Treasury to conduct a study, maybe every four years or so to say, what needs to be improved? What can we, what can we do? Things like the audit, right? Mm-hmm. Take that on. Should it be financial, you know, government-wide? Things like improving financial reporting, um, updating financial systems. I mean, these are things that we're all struggling with, but there's nothing looking at them all over. I mean, you've got Quizmos and you've got others that do look at some of this, but if if in legislation treasurers are re- uh, required to provide a study, then I think we'd probably get more traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will put the king, king for a, a day hat on and say, um, one, reverse the uh, the language in there about the ICA for audit. Two, um, go as far as to put more language about a government-wide audit in there. Um, move the, the audit requirements government-wide, um, perhaps with a trade-off to some language about performance audits, performance evaluation. Um, that, that'll solidify any, any savings associated with the financial statement audit, broadening the financial statement audit, would be put towards performance evaluation. Um, I think those two in combination would get broader agreement from the broader financial management community, including the CFO Act, or I'm sorry, including the CFO community mm-hmm. and the inspectors general community. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I, I guess, and that kind of goes to my next question. I mean, what do we think? How do we get this thing going, rolling again? Or is it, does it start over? Or I don't know. What do you guys think? So, you know, let's be clear. This isn't the most exciting piece of legislation <laughs> that, uh, you know, Congress is pretty busy these days. Um, they haven't had a great track record of passing legislation. So without a strong sponsor, pick it up from Senator Renzi, right, right. I think it's difficult for, I mean, we've talked to, you know, congressional staff that they're interested in, in better government and things like that. I just don't think it's high on their list. Mm-hmm. So I think we need more sponsorship. And I also think we need more input from the CFO community at large. Mm. This was, as you know, Jay would probably agree, this was more, I think, the inspector generals, GAO, little bit more pushing this and not that that's a bad thing but i think the entire community should be involved in probably putting together the best bill possible yeah and and uh, tony and i've had this conversation before uh sadly we have these kind of conversations when we're out out of happy hour Mm. uh but um and i agree with with what he's saying to to go find a new champion if you were to make this more of substantial change, like the one I was describing, you know, mm-hmm. king for the day, uh, I think you, you might be able to entice uh, a big-name champion, um, to, you know, Senator Warner, to take it on as, as uh, his um, piece of legislation or someone else who could drive it through uh, Congress, all the way through Congress. Right. Uh, without that champion, it, it's going to sit and languish. So, and I guess going back to when this initially came up, I mean, how, who were the proponents that 
push this forward? Was I mean, was it the Senate? Well, it passed what? in the Senate, so yeah. clearly they had more more proponents there. Right. And the reality is, you know, things have changed since that bill was passed. Mm-hmm. Right. COVID's brought in so many more trillions of dollars into. So <laughs> the responsibility of CFOs federally and state and local has only gotten bigger and greater. So as Jay mentioned, we really should be focusing on the higher priority things, performance evaluation, data analytics, driving decision-making going forward, as opposed to the compliance issues of, you know, the audit's very important. It was great to put the discipline in 30 years ago because they didn't exist. Now that's there. So you could do, if you're not going to do a government-wide audit, at least just do risk-based, just do audit certain portions of Mm -hmm. each government agency. I mean, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us. I mean, we, we joked about it when I was in the federal government. I was like, Nobody actually reads our audit. I mean, you know, the, the financial statements, yeah. you know, put them together quarterly and then annually, and then they're good. The yeah. auditors read them. Other than that, no one does. Right, unless there's some, you know, horrible thing, and then maybe it's in the paper. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, how about organizations like AGA or CFO Council, you know, groups like that? Could they encourage this to move forward again? Or I, th- I think they would have uh, – yeah, they could have certainly have an uh, influence. But it all has to go through finding a champion. Um and I think that's kind of uh, the CFO community um, kind of brought their voice late to the to to this version of the bill. Um, I think if we start the next round together with a, a combined voice, CFO community and the uh, inspectors general and GAO community, um, I think it would have a lot more um, uh, you know, opportunity to pr- proceed. Right. I don't want to overplay the role that AGA and, and some of us played, but I do think we helped congressional staff understand that maybe this wasn't the best bill to pass going mm, forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, that's my opinion, my personal opinion, actually. Um, so nothing professionally there. Sure. But I do think that, as you said, I do think the CFO Act, the CFO community as well as AGA could definitely hand, play a hand, but it does need to get the support from a champion. Well, Tony and Jay, it was great having you guys here today and uh, kind of enlightening us about this act. Uh, you know, it's interesting where it got and kind of got stalled, but maybe it's for the best to some degree. We want to see some maybe some additional things in the in the next go round. So, but again, thanks for coming today. And if you want to say a, a final word, please do. Maybe Tony, go ahead. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you this morning. You know, one last thought I did have is that the CFO community is the only C-suite position that really has its own law that created it and uh some folks in our community sometimes get a little frustrated with the proliferation of c suite only in the sense of you have a lot of different voices and that's a good thing most of the time but sometimes when decision when it comes to decision making um the, the cfo truly needs to have the authority to work with the coo or the ceo to to make the right decisions great Jay, thanks for coming too, and any shout-outs? <laughs> well, first, thank you, Paul, for, oh. for having us on today. Um, I, I love talking about these things, and sadly, I, as, as I mentioned, um, Tony and I will find ourselves discussing this kind of stuff uh, in a, a corner at happy hour every once in a while. <laughs> so um, now if, if, if I wanted to p- make a plug for something for, for our CFO community, our financial management community, there will be an opportunity to participate to – to follow a call to drive um, a, a vision act, a next round of vision act. I strongly encourage uh, those that see that, hear that, join in with us. Um, it is time for, for some change. Uh, it is time for, for a redirection of capacity to our financial management capacity to make some uh, real 
what did I get with my money mm-hmm. kind of uh, decisions and, and outcomes. So, I, again, I, I encourage you all to, uh, to join us and, and make some change in legislation. Great. Great final thoughts. Again, Tony, Jay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks again. That's our show. And as I mentioned, the uh, CFO Vision Act seems to be alive again. Went into the House in March of 2022. So I think we'll definitely have a, another podcast when or if this gets passed. But uh, exciting stuff. So until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.